It was a dark and stormy morning. It's TechBiter Worldwide for the week of September 14th, 2008. I'm Bill Blaine with an hour's worth of technology news in far less than an hour. That's because we leave out the sports, the jingles, the weather, and the commercials. But this morning, you might hear some thunder. Several weeks ago, I received an interesting question. This is that question. There's been a lot of traffic on whether Microsoft is going to abandon Windows and move on with cloud computing and the Midori concept. Do you have any inside info on this and if it's going to be the direction you see Microsoft going? Well, that's, as I said, an interesting question. Unfortunately, it required a great deal of thought. I usually try to avoid thought because it always gets me into trouble with organizations like the FBI. But I put on my thinking bonnet, and here's what I came up with. Well, the first part seems fairly easy, so I'll start there. Computers need operating systems. Today, Microsoft owns the market space for desktop computer operating systems. It's true that Linux or Apple's BSD Unix-based OS X might be better. They might be easier to use or cheaper over the life of the machine. But the fact is, Microsoft has a lock on the desktop and that's not likely to change anytime soon. Well, there is going to be change. I think Microsoft is probably on the wrong end of the stick, but the change isn't going to happen in the next few years, and the operating system isn't where the threat to Microsoft will come from if the topic is cloud computing. Incidentally, I think cloud computing is a silly term. What's wrong with online computing? That's what it is. And the irony here is rich. More than 30 years ago, when I started to become involved with computing devices, there were no personal computers. The closest you could get to a personal computer was a dumb terminal you could take home and connect at 300 baud to a mainframe or mini computer. Text only, no graphics. Then Apple, IBM, and some others developed computers that brought processing power to your desk. Instead of depending on the corporate mini or mainframe for everything, you could request data from the corporate system, then examine it using the computer sitting on your desk and a remarkable program called VisiCalc. It was written by Dan Bricklin in 1978. And then Lotus 1-2-3. Eventually, Microsoft Excel. VisiCalc was the first of what came to be known as killer applications. It was the one that convinced many managers to pad their expense accounts somehow and find a way to buy an Apple II on the slide to put on their desk. Then came IBM and the raft of compatible computers, which sometimes actually were compatible. The test in those days was whether an IBM-compatible computer could run Flight Simulator. Satellite Software International in Orem, Utah, released a word processor called WordPerfect. It was a port of a word processor developed for data general computers for a city in Utah. The city retained rights to the mini-computer version on data general systems, but they allowed Bruce Bastian and Dr. Alan Ashton to retain the rights for the PC-based ports. That made their fortune. WordPerfect eventually trounced WordStar, which had been the market leader until then, and WordPerfect was the leader for the next decade. It was the standard for word processing. Microsoft Word was initially an underpowered, underachieving competitor, but as Windows replaced DOS and the WordPerfect Corporation was slow to bring a Windows-based version to the market, Ami Pro, later acquired by IBM, 
and Microsoft Word gained market share. Today, the Microsoft Office suite is the only real competitor for Office applications. It has the market share. Everybody else is an also-ran. Well, all that is ancient history. And now all the buzz is about cloud computing. I would really prefer to just call that online or server-based or application service provider. Google has an ASP Office suite. So does Zoho. Microsoft also. None of this has any effect on the operating system. As I said, all computers need an operating system. And for the immediate future, that's going to be Microsoft Windows. If users migrate en masse to online ASPs, that will have an effect on Microsoft's bottom line, of course. But I wonder if they will. I've looked at the online services. Some of them, calendars, for example, are excellent. They allow you to share your calendar with lots of people. But trying to edit a long Word-type document online, or try to enter data into a large online spreadsheet, yeah, that doesn't get it yet. So fine. Give me that cloud-based computing for sharing documents. But please, don't torture me by telling me that I have to use the cloud for daily work. Not yet. Even though I have a relatively fast, at least by U.S. standards, connection from home, and a fast connection from the office. All this cloud computing stuff is the future, not the present. The ideal now would be to use the power we have at our fingertips on our desktop computers to do some of the work and have the cloud do what it does best, store and share. So exactly what could beat Windows? eWeek magazine suggests seven options. Apple's OS X, well, yeah, that might do it, but Apple has been an also-ran since IBM got into the market and released its technical specs. Apple has tried to keep everything proprietary, and that causes as many problems as it solves. The Apple faithful will continue to believe. I have a great deal of respect myself for Apple's hardware, but Apple seems poorly positioned to take over the desktop anytime soon. The next suggestion from eWeek is Linux, and Linux is the successor that I'm betting on. A lot of major applications are Windows only, so they won't run under Linux, but they will run under Wine, which does run under Linux. That's a kludge, true, but the price for the operating system and a lot of applications is right. How about they suggest Solaris or Open Solaris? <laughs> I don't think so. Free BSD. Well, that would be Apple's OS X without the graphical interface. Eh, it doesn't seem too reasonable. Midori. Well, that's clearly where Microsoft wants to go. The goal is to create a dependable operating system in which the kernel, device drivers, and applications are written in managed code. Does this sound a lot like OS X? Or maybe OS Two. Remember OS 2? How about the iPhone operating system, Symbian or Android? <laughs> well, I hear you calling, but I'm not answering. I simply cannot envision a time when I would want to do everything on a palm-top device. And finally, eWeek suggests Netscape. Didn't Netscape give up, shut down, close the doors, announce that there would be no more updates? <laughs> 
eWeek says, and I quote, Microsoft was worried that the operating system of the future would be the web, and it may be correct. The client system that ends up displacing Windows might be no operating system and every operating system. The emergence of web-based services and open standards may well make for a future in which users of all the systems mentioned and several that have not yet emerged can work together through their web browsers. The web OS future would depend on solving tough problems around connectivity, offline access, and security in an ultra-connected world, end quote. And there's a lot of sense in that sentence that I just quoted. Another irony in all this Remember when Microsoft's initial response to the Internet was, ah, passing fad. Bill Gates thought it wouldn't be of much use for computer users. That was one of his worst predictions. And it explains why, even with Vista, Microsoft operating systems are less secure than other operating systems. Linux is based on Unix, an operating system that has provided for multiple users and security from the beginning. Apple's OS X is Unix, the Berkeley software distribution Unix, and it, of course, has security built in from the ground up. Microsoft doesn't at least make the same mistake twice. It took the company several tries to develop a word processor that competed with WordPerfect, but Microsoft won. It took the company several tries to develop a browser that competed with Netscape, but Microsoft won. Microsoft is nothing if not persistent and it will not pass from this mortal coil quietly or easily. How's that for a little overblown language? Microsoft will continue to innovate. The company, by the way, doesn't get the credit it deserves for innovation. And I would also look for more cloud-based computing for Microsoft. However, don't expect them to abandon their desktop versions of Word, Excel, PowerPoint, Access, Outlook, Project, and such. Too many people need the capabilities that don't yet adapt well to computing in the cloud. I've mentioned Carbonite previously. For less than $60 per year, Carbonite makes backup copies of critical files in my computer. I have talked to Carbonite CEO David Friend a couple of times, and he likes to talk about disasters that have been averted. For example, a disk crash wipes out someone's digital photos, but the Carbonite subscriber recovers them quickly. I could be the poster child for someone who has damaged existing files and who got back the originals quickly from Carbonite. Well, it appears that Carbonite will be a bit more ubiquitous in coming months. The company's latest round of funding may pay for radio and television ads. Venture capitalists have funded Carbonite with enough money to spend on traditional media, but there's also an agreement with Lenovo. New computers will come with Carbonite already loaded on IdeaPad notebooks. As I said frequently, if your data isn't backed up, it doesn't exist. You probably have a lot of files on your computer that you could not replace if the hard drive crashed. Friend says that 43% of us will lose computer files that we won't be able to replace. Are those files worth $60 per year to safeguard? My answer was yes. Online backup, and yes, this is cloud computing, such as that offered by Carbonite, is slower than backing up to a local hard drive or a local CD or a local DVD. But it also eliminates the need to deal with external hard drives or with CDs or DVDs. You don't have to remember to do anything because Carbonite notices when files have been updated or added, and it saves them automatically. 
And because the Carbonite backup isn't anywhere near your computer, it is safe from threats such as tornadoes, hurricanes, fire, flood, and theft. Online backup is becoming a more crowded market. Carbonite competes with Mosey, and Lenovo also has a deal with Mosey for its line of ThinkPad computers. IdeaPad systems are for consumers. ThinkPad systems are for businesses. But business clients might prefer Carbonite to Mosey because of Carbonite's security policies. Also in the marketplace are Hewlett-Packard's Upline, Symantec's Swap Drive, and Fabric, which bundles online backup with external hard drives. France says that Carbonite's main challenge is that most people simply don't know the company exists. Carbonite has raised about $47 million in venture capital. There are no immediate plans for an IPO, though. Friend says he'll wait for the markets to improve. That may be kind of a long wait. And for Carbonite to attract several million customers. Currently, Carbonite has just several hundred thousand clients. In nerdly news, with servers in the United States, Latvia, and Ukraine, Damon Patrick Toey and his gang stole tens of millions of credit and debit card numbers then sold them to other thieves. The other thieves used them to order merchandise. Now Toey has pleaded guilty to four felony charges that include aggravated identity theft, wire fraud, and credit card fraud. He'll be sentenced on December 10th and he faces a prison term of five years on each count, could be 20 years, plus fines of $250,000 for each count. That comes up to a million in total. When he was arrested, Toey had about $9,500 in his possession. The U.S. District Court in Boston approved a plea deal that also specifies Toey must forfeit all of the money he earned from his data theft operations. Why should that even be considered? I mean, that ought to be automatic. Eleven crackers were charged last month in connection with the data thefts from TJ Maxx, BJ's, DSW, Office Max, and several other stores. In all, they stole information about some 45 million credit and debit cards. Toey and his gang ripped people off for five years starting in 2003 by breaking into corporate lands that used non-secure communications methods. Do the stores get hit with any liability here for being just plain stupid? The gang would park near stores and use computer gear to look for Wi-Fi signals. When they found one, they captured all of the data so that they could then steal information from credit cards as the cards were scanned by the stores. So, goodbye, Mr. Toey. A co-worker recently purchased a perfectly huge LCD television screen with a built-in digital tuner. So I guess he's all set for when the FCC yanks the analog rug out from under our feet. And by the way, apologies to Stephen King for using perfectly a huge. What impressed me was the size of the screen and the price. LCD screens that used to sell for $2,000 or more, some for a lot more, are now under $1,000 and often well below even that. In this case, my coworker paid around $600. Now, if you're like most people, you're waiting for the Christmas holidays to get the best prices. Some analysts think that prices this year will drop drastically. Price drops depend on manufacturers' inventories and retailers' inventories, but there's a good chance the prices will drop. LCD screens are already surprisingly inexpensive. If you search online, you'll find some spectacular deals. Online prices for LCDs and even some plasma screens typically beat prices available at brick-and-mortar stores. Often the online stores sell without charging tax also, and they may offer some low-cost shipping. 
So you, too, can have a perfectly huge television. Now, if we could just get some programming worth watching. Thanks for listening. This has been TechBiter Worldwide for the week of September 14th. 2008. I'm Bill Blinn. Check out the website. That's www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. Thanks. Bye-bye.